0: Or there is a time when that powerful practice is child's pose Mm. and you are in child's pose and you're listening to the music or you're listening to the teacher's voice or you are just listening to that deep innate sound of your own breath. And that is all the proof that you need that you are exactly where you're supposed to be. I guess ultimately the practice has opened up for me a, a trust not just in myself, but in the process.
1: Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Start From Within podcast, all about embracing our bodies, our movement, and learning how to start from the inside out. I'm so excited to be here this morning with Deneen Farrell. Uh, She is a yoga teacher who I met through practicing at Inner Bliss Yoga Studio, a studio in Westlake, Ohio, also in Rocky River, Ohio, and the messages that Deneen teaches on the mat and off the mat are things that this this world needs to hear. So, I am so excited to have a conversation with Danine this morning and to share all the insight she has. So, thank you so much for being here, Danine.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Allison, for inviting me um, onto the podcast. It is so um it's so cool to watch um people just starting to kind of live their own dream and uh to be a small part of that is such an honor so thank you
1: oh thank you um i know you know there's that elephant in the room this coronavirus time uh just really a new time for all of us and before this we were chatting about, you know, how it's just an interesting way for us all to connect because everybody's going through this. So, I'd love to just hear how how has this time been for you? Um what are some lessons or insights that you've gained during during this unique time?
0: It is wildly unique and to me it's ultimately fascinating. I would love to be a sociologist right now because I believe that that clearly this is resetting everything for so many of us, um, me individually, it's, it's unique. So, um, I have four children at home and they range between the ages of 12 and 17. I have, uh, two boys on either end and then twin girls that are 15. So, uh, For me, the whole homeschooling situation has been relatively easy because they are all old enough to log in and do their own stuff. My role really is just to guide. So I'm grateful um, for that. And then likewise, you know, I have three children that are in high school. So I know that in short order, they will be moving on, right? They will be Mm. going to college and moving out of the home. So as much as they may not enjoy being stuck at home with their parents, I'm really, I'm really appreciating this time with them because um, it's unprecedented and I'm kind of just soaking it all in. So I'm I'm actually in that in that way, I'm I'm really grateful to have this time that I otherwise would not. Like normally I would just be Ubering them. From um, point A yeah. to point B. And uh, now um we just get to hang out. And so that's uh that's been nice.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That special time with family and being able to kind of you know, the the kids are forced. You know, I'm I'm back home in Cleveland with my parents after moving to Seattle. So experiencing similar things of yeah, this is a unique time for us all to just kind of experience what that new connection is especially with family. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, when it comes to yoga and yoga teaching, um, how, how did you start practicing yoga and and when did you start practicing yoga?
0: Uh, those are great questions. So I had practiced yoga originally through, um, VHS tapes, (laughs) you might (laughs) I'm probably dating myself. But I remember, Good old
1: VHS, yes.
0: Um, VHS tape, and I remember going to the library um, and seeing this yoga thing. So um, I'm a reluctant athlete, if you can even call it that. Um, so I I I understood movement in my body um, just as a way, you know, in high school, which would have been in the late 80s, early 90s, it was a way to burn calories, mm. uh, not necessarily because I was super coordinated or felt good doing it. So when I was older, and again, I still hadn't like found that thing that like lit me up um, uh, and like felt great in my body. Like I had done step aerobics. Like I had done done things. Like I'd gone to the gym and treadmills and all that stuff. I was like, I just don't know if that's like me. Um, I never really liked to push myself, and I think ultimately that was like a fear of failure. Mm. anyway, I came in to the library and I saw these exercise tapes and the one was yoga. And I thought, well, let me try that. I think that might that might be just my speed. Um, And it's funny because, you know, now we're all doing yoga virtually and I'm doing it virtually. But it is different, you know, having yoga be an, uh, an asynchronous, like a one directional experience Mm. Um, but I, but I explored it first in a VHS tape. I remember it was like a Rodney Yee tape and he's brilliant, <laughs> but, um, you know, he was on the beach in Hawaii or <laughs> and I'm like in my, I'm in my living room in Westlake, Ohio. Um, so that was, that was my first real initial experience. And then my first studio experience was several years later. And it was after my youngest child was in preschool and I had a friend who had been inspiring me to try different things uh, with her to just stay active and um, and engaged in like my overall health. And so she had been going to Interbliss for a while. Mm. I had never even heard of the studio. And she was like, meet me at 1230 for this yoga class. And I remember it was enough time for me to like drop off my son at preschool, get to the studio take the class and then get back to preschool to pick my son up. So I was like, okay, I think I can figure this out. I think I can fit it in. I'll meet you there. And I remember not knowing how to get to the studio, like calling in and like was late for class. And then I was like, maybe I should, you know, you have all these hurdles. I'm like, I don't know that I should go. And I remember I called the studio and, and um, the desk yogi was like, no, no, it's like, here's how you get to where we are. And it's okay if you're late. And I remember running up the stairs and like tossing my shoes off. And then I think I looked down and I realized that like my shirt was inside out. (laughs) And like, I was like, how am I going to do that? Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And, and then I just got into the studio and I was so discombobulated and so um, anxious really. And then I lay down on my mat and the teacher was so kind and generous. And I, I realized that in that, class, that first class, that was probably the first deep breath that I Mm. had taken in six years, like since my oldest child was born. I was like, oh, oh, that's what it's, that's what a deep breath feels like. And I was hooked. I was hooked. I went there because I did want to see some physical changes to my body, which I absolutely saw but literally in that first five minutes, that didn't matter anymore. Mm. What mattered was that I took a deep breath and I was able to calm myself down and I could simply be.
1: Mm. Yes. That's so important that, that simply be. So, so you're taking these VHS types. What was there like a how long were you doing the VHS? Was it kind of like, Oh, I'm going to try it out and then kind of put it back to the shelf, like your step aerobics or were you, were you, was yoga like your thing or was, didn't it become like a thing till the studio?
0: Yeah, it was not a thing until I found a studio practice. I was for sure. Like I would go and I take the tapes out and then I would practice like once or twice and, then I would take it, you know, they, they would be due back at the library and i take it back and I'd pick up a couple. And again, nothing really, um, nothing really was like a go to. I didn't have a go to way mm. that was like a physical outlet for me. Like, again, I knew the importance of exercise, um, but there was nothing that that and, and, and yoga was kind of hard. Again, it's different when, you know, I was working full time and um, I would just kind of pop it in and. And then you're like, oh, this feels kind of weird. Like, I oh, don't know, these movements are a little strange, or am I doing it right? Yes. Or, you know, all of these things that were just like, I don't know. And and it was nice, but it wasn't until again, I went into the studio that first time. And like, and I think a lot of it is like, like what we say is, you know, yoga meets you where you are. Mm. And to some degree, you need to be ready for it. So I think in all those times I had tried it, you know, I was willing to try something new, but I just, I wasn't ready for it. Like I wasn't ready for that. And so, uh, I, I came into the studio at a moment when I was ready to like receive Mm. the message of yoga.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's kind of like when when you think about people and you know when you either try people are trying to help you or you're trying to support others and if you're not open or not willing to kind of receive that help it's it's not going to land. Um so I really I really like that when you said, you know, yoga you have to be you have to be ready for it. So um how has your practice evolved since you stepped on your mat for that, for that first real time in the studio? Um, yeah. How has it evolved since?
0: So it's, um, to me, I am amazed. Um, always, um, this life is always amazing me, but the older I get and I'm not, I'm not that old, but the older I get, the more I recognize like everything that's, happened in my past while I know like I have the gift of hindsight like I I know that it was super hard but 100% of the time it's prepared me for where I am currently right like there's Mm -hmm. these lessons that at the time you just don't know why you have to learn them but somehow there's this point later on that next version of you where you're like, Oh, I get it. And for me, yoga has had that same trajectory. So, so again, like I found that studio practice with the encouragement of a friend who I am I'm utterly grateful for her suggesting it. Um, And I'm grateful for myself for taking her up on the suggestion, right? Like part of it is mm-hmm. like someone has to lead, but then you have to have that willingness to like actually make something happen. So you know, to go through the studio when maybe I could have just turn the car around and to um, be welcomed so warmly to my mat, um, like that practice was hooked. And so I practiced um, for a few years pretty, pretty consistently, like probably three to five times a week I would go. Um, and then uh, we would, my husband and I would laugh because whenever, you know, because you can go for a drop in or you can get like mm-hmm. certain package sizes at our studio and I would always get the biggest package size. And my husband was like, he, he, you know, the more you get, the the less each class costs. And he'd yep. be like, oh my gosh, it's cheaper than therapy.
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> I
0: love um, it. So true. Like, it's so true. So, um, so we would, I would, so I started getting like the biggest packages and I would roll through them. And um, I was a believer in the practice, but then I was curious that you know, always a seeker, like, why does this work so well? Like, mm. I don't understand. And so uh, when my youngest, who again was in preschool when I had started practicing, when he graduated the kindergarten and was in school full time, our studio, Inner Bliss, offered a teacher training. So again, it was just the timing was perfect. Like I wasn't as necessary at home. I could take these weekends, quote unquote, off it was local, you know, this teacher training was being taught by the teachers that impacted my life so, um, gorgeously. I mean, it just all kind of worked out. So, I mean, I think my husband and I talked about it for like a hot minute about whether or not it was the right thing to do. Um, and I signed up and that was life changing, uh, that, that whole experience of going through yoga teacher training. And I don't know that even when I went into the teacher training did I think, oh, I'm going to teach, it was more like, no, I just want to learn. Like, I want to mm. learn more about the practice. I want to learn more about the, um, the the way and the how and the why it works and just kind of go from there. And so our program was nine months long. And then afterwards, um, I started assisting uh which is like was again for me I called it like grad school for teacher training. Yeah. So you yep. got to just be in the room and assist the teacher, but you were you were seeing the students, you were helping the students feel the poses in their body. Mm. I mean it's really an honor. Um it's really an honor. It's a sacred space to be in. And so that was um a, a beautiful way to then bridge the gap from like teacher training to actually teaching um So then, shortly thereafter, I started teaching. I actually started teaching kids yoga Mm. um, on Saturday mornings at the studio, and then and then that grew into actually being a a teacher of adult classes in the studio. And so now I've been teaching probably um, three to five classes a week in studio uh, since what 2014. That's awesome. Yeah. It's been, it's been, um, it's a gift. I mean, it's a gift to me. Um, this whole, the whole yoga experience.
1: Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. it, It really is a gift. I mean, I, yeah, yoga, yoga has changed my life. What was it for you? So you, you mentioned, you know, you tried all these different things and nothing really stuck or was your it like what was it about yoga that kept you coming back, that kept you wanting to explore what it would be like to be a teacher? What what was it? I
0: believe wholeheartedly in the concept that yoga is a practice. It's not a perfect. And mm. I've lived most of my life, and even now it's something that I I mean I I am I'm very um type A. So I like to control things and have this idea that unless it's perfect, it's not ready for the world. Right. Yes. So I think that was, again, all these false starts and the other things were because I couldn't be perfect at it. Sure. I, I ran, but I wasn't fast. Uh, I didn't look like an athletic runner. I didn't you know, so I didn't want to keep doing that. Or the same thing, like in a in a step aerobics class, which was the big thing then, you know, all of the the rooms have mirrors, which mm. was very disconcerting for me. So I'm like looking at myself and everyone else is getting these movements and I'm like stumbling over the block or <sighs> like I was really judgmental. So yoga from that first moment um, where the teacher's like, okay, you know, take a deep breath like in and out, like that's enough, like that's good. You can do that or you can do these movements and I'm going to guide you through them, but know that each time you come to your mat, it's going to be different. And each time your, your body's different. Your mind is different. Uh, And I was like, Oh, and again, I know part of it was me needing to be in that space where I could accept that. But then I was like, Oh, that's what it means to practice. Like that's the practice. And then once you figure that out, for me, I had to learn it within the corners of my mat. But then I realized, oh, you know what? Like when I'm out in the world, like that's a practice too. Like when Mm. I'm parenting my kids, guess what? I didn't have my first child and was imparted with all of this knowledge on how exactly to raise him correctly right. Like I still don't. He's 17. Like I just do my best and the moment I'm in with the tools yep. that I have, and I know that it, I'm all just learning, like I'm just learning every day. And I love that, that I, I love that knowledge because there's, it's, um it reinforces a growth mindset.
1: Yes. Yes. That's yeah. There's so many lessons that yoga teaches us and it's, it's, you know, we practice on our mats so that we can be the incredible or even the, just the vulnerable, just the real humans that we are off of our mats. Um, I think of, you know, something that I've been doing is really just right now, you know, there's, there's no hands on assist, like physical touch is just really lacking. So you can feel those, that sense of loneliness and, you know, on your mat, how do you move in a way that, that brings about that feeling of connection with yourself. So to help with the, cope with some of those feelings of like loneliness and whatnot. So what are some lessons or things that, or maybe like one or two stories that you're like, wow, when that happened on my mat and that really just shifted my thought or really shifted the way I live off my mat?
0: Mm. That's a great question. I don't know that I can pinpoint like one moment, because again, it's just like this idea of, um, it's a constant evolution. So um, for me, uh, you know, there are those things that, that a teacher would say that you're like, oh yeah. And I do remember, um, I never, I never would have classified myself if that's fair, a strong person. And I remember being in a class, and I was in a crescent lunge pose, uh, which, you know, any standing pose is really challenging. And I remember just being in crescent lunge pose, and we were holding it what felt like forever. I mean, it probably was like five reps, but it felt like an eternity. And I remember the teacher saying, you're strong, getting stronger. Mm. And I was like, oh. I'm strong. (laughs) Yes. And then I'm getting stronger. And so that was, that was really cool. But, but then again, I, I needed to, I needed to then like, again, as my practice evolved. So I realized I was getting into, um, a habit of, of practicing powerful flows, which are meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I started to, um, kind of, I think I began to overdo it, right? Like mm. they became more of a challenge, um, not physically for me, but it was like, well, like how much can I sweat and um, how many calories can I wear? I started getting into these bad um, thought loops that I I try to, to take myself out of um, as an adult. And so um, I realized that strength didn't necessarily mean um, kicking it in, uh, you know, a 60 to 90 minute hot, powerful Mm -hmm. flow. Um, I began to realize that, that, that was actually building some tension and causing injury in my body. And Mm so I started to tease out the difference between what's tension um, and what's strength. And, and then I began to recognize that there is a softness to that strength that actually is the strength that carries us a lot further than that, that tensile strength, um, that that's like that tension that's unnecessary. So again, yeah. it's like a constant, it's a, it's a constant evolution. And, and when I started to, to let the practice guide me is again, um, as opposed to me really, um, forcing the practice a lot more began to open up and I started to feel a lot more comfortable, not just in my practice, but in my teaching.
1: Mm. Yeah. You bring up some great points there. I think that piece behind, you know, tension versus true strength. And it's easy to get really caught up in the way that, you know, social media or today's day and age or the way that we're told to celebrate what strength looks like and what strength should be. When in reality, like their strength has so many different levels, just like love. Right. And it's just, it's the spectrum. And sometimes the hardest things is to be still and to soften into strength, like that is just as strong as doing a 90 minute practice like that. I love, I love that piece that you touched on.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's so, um, uh, there's, there's a forgiveness that's innate in yoga Mm. that I feel like we all crave Um, it's like, I, I say, like we spend the first half of our lives trying to fit into some idea of what we think we're supposed to be. And then, um, you spend the second half of your life dismantling that.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Like you're like, oh, oh, there's nothing that I really should be like. I just, I just am. And, and so, um, what I found is that I have a much more powerful practice when I soften those edges, um, which again, I, I, I think that I, I mistakenly started to like harden a little into my practice at first, especially as a newer teacher, I felt like, oh, I have to prove something and I need mm. to be doing these beautiful movements and inversions. And, and really like that's, you know, my body is, um, is not necessarily tailored for a lot of the movements that I find fascinating and beautiful that other people can do. Like, I don't know that I will ever pop up and do a handstand. Yep. It's, just Me not, it's just not my thing. And and then, but I used to think, well, if I can't do this, who am I to teach a class? And that now I'm like, well, no, that's just silly. Like, again, it's like you find these roadblocks that you can, that you build. And and then you're like, okay, well, why am I creating walls for myself? Yeah. How about if I just bring that down. And how about you just show up? Like that's yes. been in my theme, right? Like lately is um, like, you just, you just got to show up. You just got to show
1: yeah. up. Yes. Yeah. And showing up and like not forcing, I love the piece that you touched on, you know, we spend so much of our lives forcing ourselves into these boxes. And um, I've, I've shared that I've, I've done that for a lot of my life and I still, it's a daily thing of like, nope, I I don't need to do that. Um, is that truly me? Like, am I showing up for myself or am I showing up for someone else or for this exterior? And so, um, when it comes to you and your body and your movement and, you know, you talked about fitting into a box earlier, was there parts of your life that, um, have helped you kind of shift or were really formative in, in that mindset or that try to fit you into a box?
0: Yeah, no, I, um, I appreciate the question. So when I was younger, my parents divorced when I was really young, which is not, not unusual. Um, and it was ultimately a a good thing. They did not have a super healthy relationship, but from like nine to, you know, through high school, I was a latchkey kid, right? Like I, I live with my mom, both my parents worked and, and that, um, again, I'm probably dating myself, but yeah. So, you know, I was, you know, I get a ride home from school or I'd walk home from school and it was just me. And I am telling you, my best friend um, was a general hospital and a bag of Doritos. Mm. And so I would just come home and I would be bored and it was just me and the television. And, you know, I would just eat, like I would just mindlessly eat, which then um, left me, Uh, you know, I went, you know, you go through puberty, so that's awkward anyway. And then I entered high school, um, and I was, I was significantly overweight, which I recognized, um, because you're super hyper aware of, of your body in those ages. Um, but I mean, I had, I had good friends and I had good relationships with my family and and it was fine, but I was recognizing that, um, I wasn't really happy in my body. And I knew, I knew exactly how I had, had gotten there. Um, and there were, there were, um, I remember, you know, people would start, start to comment and, you know, people would just say things, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, you're an overweight kid and people, kids are kids and you say things. And then you start to kind of feel a little bit bad about yourself. And then you consider, well, maybe, you know, um, you don't, you don't know how to value yourself yet. Right. Cause again, mm-hmm. at that age, you're still trying to define who you are and what's important to you. And, and so, um, I remembered that I wanted to kind of get control of it. And I went from, you know, kind of being mindless about how I cared for myself to being super rigid. And, and mm-hmm. for me, that was, it was for sure a way to control a lot of other stuff that was going on in my life. Like I could control what I put into my body. Like as much as I wasn't controlling it before I could get control of that. And that went like really quickly to like really watching, um, the calories that I put into my body. And I remember, um, like, and I would measure cereal. I mean, it it Mm. was, um, it was, it was really, uh, it became like, everything was, again, I needed to have complete control over what it was. Like, I wouldn't eat something that wasn't measured out. And okay. at my, at my uh, most intense, I remember, you know, for me, it was, I, I would not eat more than like 900 calories a day. And mm-hmm. I think like, you know, and a normal adult needs to have, you know, way more than that. But I was like, super strict and rigid. So of course, what did, ha- like, I started to lose weight. And then of course, what happened. Everyone starts paying attention to you, and yeah. then you're like, "Oh, this is really cool!" Like, I, everyone's, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's sad, but it's, it's that was the truth of the matter then. And so, um, I struggled with um, my weight and and healthy eating um, all through the rest of high school. So I go to college, and here I thought, in my head, I thought I was like. I thought I had it all together. Like I thought I was like doing a good thing because I had lost all this weight and I was getting all this attention and I started to exercise a little bit more. And I remember going, I went to Penn State, the big school, and I took a nutrition class because again, I thought I knew what I was doing. Like, look at this smart girl. She went from being super overweight to being thin and isn't it great? And I remember the, the, it was a class of like, I don't know, 500 people because it was big classes. And we had to document what we ate over the course of a week Mm. and then sign and then turn it into the professor. And then he was just going to grade it to make sure we did it. And of all the 500 people, I remember getting my notebook back and my professor had written handwritten, if this is what you eat on a daily basis, you have a problem and you need to see me right away. And I Mm. was like mortified. I was like, what?
1: Yeah, (laughs) like
0: call me out and was like, this is like an issue. And it was like this wake up call. And so then I really started to pay a lot more attention in that class and what it meant to eat healthy. And then at the same time, I had the gift of being in in college, where, um, where I was, I was me, like I was responsible for me. Mm. And so I started to recognize that I had choices and that I had meaningful choices to make, and I needed to really define what it meant to be healthy. And so um, again, it was the right time for me to hear the message. And I'm just thankful that I heard it in a time before I did any real damage to my body. Mm. uh, Because I was, I was, I was heading to a place that that wasn't really good. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so yeah, so I started to come out from that fog in college, but it's something that, again, even as an adult, um, I, I, you know, it's a daily meaningful conversation that I have with myself um, to not think about those things that, that as a high schooler were important to me. Like I I need to consciously, um, you know, mindfully say every day, like, I'm, I'm not going to count the calories.
1: Like, mm. I'm going
0: to, eat in a way that I feel good and healthy and strong. And again, I use the time on my mat to redefine what strong means. And then also to to practice the practice, which is you're going to make a mistake and you're going to slip up and you're going to be okay.
1: Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know there's so many people that, um, struggle and it's, um, like we talked about earlier in, before I started recording, but that, you know, it is, it is an epidemic and, um, eating disorders are real and the validation that we get from the, the ridicule that we get when our bodies don't look a certain way. And the validation we get when they do is only perpetuating it. So I, I, can't, I feel you. Um, I similar like fifth and sixth grade, you know, hit puberty early was a lot larger and was getting called like Santa Claus belly or, you know, those things. And so that that's innately tells you like, Oh, something's wrong with me. I need to change that. And then when the weight starts coming off and people are like, wow, you look so strong and so fit. How'd you do that? That's awesome. So, um, how, how did you and how do you still navigate that external pressure to still fit that box when you know internally that's that's not what's going to work for you
0: mm. again it's a conversation that i have with myself daily i will say uh, becoming a mother um and then and then parenting Has helped me uh, recognize just how brilliant the human body is. Mm -hmm. So uh, I want to say I never truly accepted my body as it was, even though I had done all this work. So, like I said, I, I in my freshman year of college, I started to recognize that I had a problem, and I worked my way out of it. And you know, again, I and I I was a good student, and I had this great job after call it, you know, I, you know, was living my best life. I don't know that I ever truly accepted my body, um, until I became a mother. Um, I was always super critical of my body. Um, and then I got pregnant and it took me a while to get pregnant. And again, I was starting to get really freaked out that I was going to not be able to have children because of, of when I had an eating disorder. I, I, there was a lot of my, um, like my cycle got all goofed up. I didn't have my mm. period for like three years, which is not normal. I mean, yep. you know, you can kind of joke about and be like, oh, isn't that great? Isn't that great? But really your body is trying to preserve everything else. Yes. Like that's the yes. thing is the body will always choose to heal, even if, so it turns off those bits that don't need to function. Yep. Um, so when I, wanted to start my family, we really struggled at first. And I thought, dang it. <laughs> like, if, you know, that was one of those moments where I was like, if I could only tell my younger self mm. what that what it can mean. Um, But then we did get pregnant. And I, I remember truly just being fascinated by like, my body is doing this, mm. like, it is creating an environment for another human being to, to live. And I will say like, again, that part of me, that was the controlling part. Like I remember getting all the books, like I love to study and read and ruminate. Like I just love gathering data. So I got all the books, all the books on how to be the best mom and how to like have the best, create the best environment for the baby as it grows in your belly. And And they all said something different. And finally, I had to just put them all aside because I was starting to get overwhelmed. Like to the point to where I remember one one book was like, oh, there's chlorine in the water. So if you're gonna shower, you should get a water filter. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't, like I need to, what? And so then I was like getting off the handle and I was like, you know what? I need to just trust myself a little bit Mm. and trust that my body's gonna do what it needs to do and just kind of just be here, like, just be here and let it do its work, like, just get out of the way. <laughs> so, so, you know, we had, you know, we had my first child, and and he was, you know, pregnancy was great, full term, great. And then we got pregnant pretty quickly after that, and that ended up being twins. And again, I was like, wow, my body can accommodate these two babies. Mm. Like, isn't that fascinating? Um, And then I was like, that's pretty amazing. And so then we had that pregnancy and, and then, um, and then we thought, well, you know what, like, let's, let's try again. And, and then I went through, um, and then I went through two miscarriages and those were hard, but again, no less fascinating, right? Like, Mm -hmm. again, here's this body that is a gift that I've been super critical of. And I know I had these miscarriages, which are these, these, these babies that, that never were, were to be, but, but talking to my doctors, like, he's like, that's the body's natural response for, Mm. for, um, generally, cause they would have been an issue, right? Like, Mm. I don't know, he, the way he explained it, I was like, oh, oh, okay. So like, I mean, cause again, like that's traumatic and hard, but again, mm-hmm. my body was doing what it needed to do to take care of me and the baby. Right. Yes. Um, and so then, then we had, then we got pregnant again with my last child, Charlie. And, and I, I, I don't know, it's just, our body is amazing. It's really amazing. Yeah. It's really an amazing, it's, it's, it's an amazing existence. Um, and so when, when I learned to accept that, that my body's really intelligent, um, a lot of things shifted for me. And mm-hmm. it, but again, Alison, like it's a, it's, it, it is a process every day. Um, and that's why I'm so grateful for my practice because it pulls me into my body which again, i learned to appreciate it's wild intelligence and it's innate strength and it's, its resilient. Uh, and, and then I can, you know, then I, again, that carries off into like just so much of my life.
1: Right yes. Now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The bodies are just, they're fascinating and the way that they can recover themselves or build back up. And we think about like all the things that we put our bodies through. And, um, I love, I love the piece that you touched on when like you recognize like, wow, my, body is doing all these things and I'm not trying to control it to make it do something like it knows it's so smart. It knows what to do. Um, and I think, you know, you think about our yoga practice and you think about like cues that we get and our body's like, okay, cool, sweet. I can, I can move that way. And how, like when we're so attentive in a way that's purposeful and supportive to our bodies versus attentive being hypercritical of like needing to change. It's, it's shifting to like, wow, this is all that my body can do. Like that's, that's amazing. So, um, when it comes to being a mother and a mother of four, and especially, I mean, you have twin girls, I don't want to discount because I know also men, boys, and everybody also can struggles with body image, but, um, how, how have you been like as a mother especially with your um past and things like that like what what keeps you grounded and what values do you try to instill in your daughters mm. so
0: i i share with all of my children um I'm, I'm real honest about my story and what my struggles were and are But I don't also glamorize it. Um, I Mm. think there's this fine line between um, being on a soapbox, which is easy to do, versus just saying, here I am. Like, here's my experience. Learn what you can. But ultimately, um, like my own path, one of the things that, especially as the kids get older, one of the hardest things for me to do is to step back and recognize that they have to make their own choices and their own mistakes. So as much as, as a parent, yeah, I was aware of, of being sure that we had healthy food options for them, that we ate balanced, that we talked about food as fuel, that we talked about food as energy, but also that it's something that we can celebrate. So um, I grew up Um, in a family where mealtime, when we did have a mealtime or holidays was a big deal. Like my mom is this phenomenal cook. She's Italian um, and, and background. So we would have these huge, big feasts, Christmas Eve and Christmas. And and to me, again, like that was, that was a way for us to, to join together and celebrate. So in as much as we can have this healthy relationship with food as a way to pull together and have meal times together, but also recognize like for me, there was never this idea of you have to finish the food on your plate. Mm. Right? Like you have to have it. There's no, um, there was none of that. Like there was all like try to just understand what it feels like in your body. Mm. Um, and when you feel full, feel full. Like yes. you can be done eating. Yes. You can be done eating. Um, and then Um, and then it's like, um, so again, it's just being open with the, 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 all of the kids and, and having them start to tune in to what their bodies feel like, um, as, as they start figuring out even like, again, how to exercise, like, um, or, or not, but the, what the older kids having gone through puberty. And again, that is an interesting thing to try to navigate. And, and to, to the degree of, you know, they have the books again, I'm a book person. So they have all the, like your body as it changes books. And, um, and it was funny because like they would read them and and they wouldn't necessarily want to talk about them, but it was just kind of saying, okay, well, I'm here, like we can talk about these things or like, here's how your body is going to change and shift. And, and know that it, 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 we all feel awkward and uncomfortable. Like, that's mm-hmm. one thing that we try to hammer to our kids at the ages that they're at, is that no one is cool. Like, no one is cool. There is no one cool 14-year-old or 15-year-old. Yep. Like, they're, Like just so you're clear. And that's been interesting because they have social media, which I did not have, thank yeah. the Lord. I mean, I, 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 I can't... Um, Imagine being a teenager with these, these images of what looks like, you know, these picture-perfect parties or teens and, you know, having a life that's filtered. Like, that's that's been interesting. And, again, we just try to have, like, hold this space to have an open discussion mm. with them about what that means or, like, how do you feel when you see that. And, and I think that's been good, too. Um, we also tell our kids that, like, we go through their phones. So if they have social media accounts, like we're gonna just kind of be another set of eyes. Um, so one, don't post something that you don't think like your mom or your grandma could see. And two, like don't consume something like, you know, let's talk about what's what you're what's being pushed at you. Yeah. Um and so we have these really open conversations about it. And I think that's just um that's been key. I mean, it remains to be determined.
1: Yep. If we're,
0: if we're doing the right thing, but I think all you can do is try to just create a space, um, where your kids know they can talk to you about these things. Um, and then, uh, let them lead the conversation from there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think you bring up some great points about, you know, like holding space and not, not being on a soapbox and letting them, letting them experience, um, because that that's part of it, right? Like we are humans and for us to find what works for us is through experience. Um, right now I'm reading a book called untamed by Glennon Doyle Melton. Mm. Anyone anyway, It is amazing. I don't know if you've read it. Um, but as you were talking, it made me think of something that she mentioned and she said, um, what if parenting became less about telling our children, who they should be and more about asking them again and again, forever who they already are. My only expectation is that you become yourself. The more deeply I know you, the more beautiful you become to me. And I'm like, yes, like that is so true. So when you're talking about, you know, holding space and letting them lead the conversation and where I I don't have kids, but, um, if even just like my younger self, just, creating that space and we're going to fail. And it's, it's those failures. And it's those lessons like you talked about earlier that those, like, why am I doing this hard thing? Oh, wow. Okay. It's going to teach me for something later in life. And if we're so protective and on that soapbox all the time, we, we risk not being able to let them experience those things.
0: Right. I mean, I mean, even Allison, like, this is the thing, like, so, so no, you're not a parent, but you've been a kid, like we're all human. And the one thing that I know for sure is that I don't know anything. I mean, I have this experience, Mm -hmm. but I mean, let's even go back six weeks. Did any of us think that we would be in a quarantine? I mean, I remember hearing about the coronavirus, like I would, you know, I drive my son to school in the mornings and we listened to the news and they were talking about the coronavirus in China and how they were, you know, kind of quarantining and what that meant. And we were talking about it a little bit and i remember being like oh you know it's just you just gotta wash your hands like we have the yep. flu and if you' just gonna have to wash our hands and, and and that's it's gonna be fine i mean if i would have envisioned wearing a mask to go to the grocery store to stand in a line to get my like no like i yes. I, I could not have it so in as much as again like this this world that's like the global world and then like this world that is like our body like we just, it's all just, it's all just fascinating, right? Yep. Like it's all just fascinating. And and I am a terrible predictor. Yep. I, I, you know, I could never be the person who guesses the weight at Cedar Point. Like <laughs> I don't, I really like the older I get, the more I recognize, like we are all just trying to figure
1: it out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I I love that you touched on that piece. Um, I was talking to my mom the other day, we were walking the Metro parks and I said, you know, when I, when I first started this, my whole intention was like to be very focused on movement and exercise and our bodies and all that. But what I'm learning in such a short amount of time is that one, it's so much bigger than that because everything is connected. And two, that like this this is not going to give anybody a blueprint. We can't give blueprints or advice because the thing is it's everyone has their own unique shared experience and we're all just constantly learning and we can't control and we can't predict because we all just have this unique, unique experience. If I could ask one person or five people, the exact same question, and we're going to get five completely different responses and reactions. So it's just trusting like yourself that, okay, I I know what, what's going to work for me right now, while the right now is going to look very different tomorrow. But right now, this is what I need. And this is what I know. Uh, But yeah, like you talked about, it's, it's fascinating. So, so much of this. Yeah. And that's
0: what brings me back to yoga, right? So like, like there, there's a time for a powerful practice. And that can mean building up a sweat and breathing heavy, and, um, and, and getting super, super shaky in a plank or a standing, pole, like a warrior too. Or there is a time when that powerful practice is child's pose mm. and you are in child's pose and you're listening to the music or you're listening to the teacher's voice or you are just listening to that deep innate sound of your own breath. And that is all the proof that you need that you are exactly where you're supposed to be. I guess ultimately the practice has opened up for me a, a trust, not just in myself, but in the process, right? Mm. Because it's all process. Again, it's all practice. Like, I don't know the why for why this we're having this experience, but I have to believe that collectively, this is better for all of us on the planet to like yes. have this moment of retreat so that we can like reconnect to to what matters the most um and we can connect with those who are most vulnerable and then and, and then in what way like do we as humans how how do we try to support each other you mm. know is it through creating a podcast is it through you know immediately i was like there's not a whole lot i can do I love teaching yoga. I can't teach in a studio, but you know what? I have an iPhone and I have a little space that I can carve out of the studio and I'm just going to show up. Like I'm just going to show up and and maybe that's for two people. Maybe it's for more. It's not about how many people connect. It's just saying, I'm going to be here to connect and, and you can join me. Or you can meet me on YouTube or you can, but like, but like, we're just going to show up again. Like, I just keep coming back to you in my, in, in my middle years here, like, just, you just got to show up. Like you just yep. got to show up. You just got to show up and say, Hey, here I am. No questions asked. I'm here. Like, and, and when, when I can show up and just be me, like all the messy, the messy bits, the hair tied up in a messy pony and And, you know, maybe I'm in my pajamas, maybe I'm not, but I'm here. Like, and then you can show up in the same way.
1: Yep. I love that. Yeah. Just, just showing up. That's awesome. And I love, I love the way that you're connecting with the community, even, even despite all this. Um, so if you could tell your younger self or things that you wish you would have known when you were younger, anything, what are maybe one or two things that you wish you would have known? Um,
0: I, it comes back to, um, trusting the process. There are hard things that you will go through. They are necessary things. They are the things that form the next version of you. Mm -hmm. Trust it, trust it, right? Don't resist it. Allow yourself to be strong. Allow yourself to be soft. Allow yourself to just be and know that everything that you are learning through mistakes, through trial and error, by falling down and putting yourself back up, like you, again, are just building that resiliency that's going to take you into that next step. Because you know what? There's going to be another hard thing. And and, mm-hmm. and and what I have learned is, wow, maybe I didn't know the reason for the hard things I had to go through as a younger person, they have served me. And and so now, again, I, I don't know exactly what we're gonna learn from all of this, individually, collectively, but I know that it's going to serve me next year, next month, the next decade. Like, there's gonna be a version of me that's gonna need what I'm learning, so I better pay attention.
1: Yes. Mm, Yes, 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 yes. Love that. So I just have one final question, um, goes back. I ask everybody this question. What does it mean for you to start from within?
0: To start from within means to me showing up. just showing up. It means that it doesn't matter what the trappings are. It doesn't matter what my job title is. It doesn't matter how much money's in my bank account, the car that I drive. It doesn't matter again, if I'm in my PJs or if I'm in a fancy dress, it means just showing up. It means being there. No questions asked, like just show up, just
1: show yes. up. Just show, yes. up. show up. uh so much goodness in that. Well, thank you so much for spending your time this morning with me um, and for sharing so, so much good stuff. Um, I'm so excited for the world to hear this. Oh
0: my gosh, Allison, thank you so much for creating, again, um, a source for, for light in a world that can be a little dark. Um, but I feel like these moments allow us to um, again take some of the lessons um, and can make these connections and and just brighten up a little bit of um, again a little bit of the cloudiness. So so thank you for doing what you're doing. I really appreciate being a part of it.
1: Thanks so much for tuning into the Start From Within podcast. My name is Allison Pesta, and remember, we all have to start from somewhere, so why not start from within? You are always, always enough.